If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Stocks for Beginners. Weekend Watch List. Hi, and welcome back to Stocks for Beginners Weekend Watchlist, where we take a close look at an individual company, sector, or ETF that you may wish to consider for your watchlist. It's not a recommendation to buy, but a way for you to learn how experts screen for value and opportunities. And joining me today is Steve Symington from Seven Investing, all the way from Missoula, Montana. Hello, Steve. Hello, Phil. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here and excited to talk about this. This is, this is, uh, one of the one of the companies and sectors that I've I've loved to watch for uh, maybe the longest uh, in my investing career. So, oh, okay. So we're talking about Markel, and the ticker code on the New York Stock Exchange is MKL. It's a specialist insurance and financial holding company, and it's been around since the 1930s. So this is definitely not a tech startup, Steve, is it? <laughs> Absolutely not. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's one of those businesses. It's funny. It's been around. You, you, it's hard to believe it's been around since the 1930s, and it's obviously been publicly traded uh, for not nearly that long, uh, but uh, you know, you you zoom out on this uh, this stock chart and and look at the absolutely stunning returns it's generated for shareholders over the past several decades. And uh, you know, this is a stock I've personally owned um, for I think almost 15 years now, mm. and uh, and I first started buying shares in the $200 range. And and really, you know, that's one of the things I think we bring up right away is don't be scared by the high quote unquote high share price. Uh, you know, I think it's trading uh, between twelve and thirteen hundred dollars per share right now. Uh, but in this world of fractional share trading, think more in dollars invested. Um, it, it's it's mostly a function of how many shares they choose to make available to shareholders. Uh, don't think, oh, I can only buy one share of Markel. Uh, that's that's not really how these things work, and or indicative of of how what the kind of value and performance it can provide to you uh, as an investor. So tell us about um, what a financial holding company is. It's um, you've described it as a mini Berkshire. So tell us about what it does. Right. So um, zooming out, I guess. To, to financial holding companies. Uh, and in this case, we're specifically talking about uh, financial holding companies that, that generate value in three ways. So uh, Markel calls it their three growth engines. Now, um, so I, I think of them as tiers. Markel's uh, growth engines, the three tiers are, are first, it's insurance business. Markel uh, operates specifically in specialty insurance and reinsurance. So uh, on the specialty insurance side, you know, think of uh, who who insures racetracks, you know, or, uh, you know, really crazy boats or horses or, or things that are very difficult to underwrite. And Markel's very, very good at that. And uh, and it also uh, has a very large presence in reinsurance uh, through its acquisition of Altera a decade ago. I think that was a $3.2 billion purchase. Uh, but through really conservative uh insurance and really, really well-honed underwriting uh, performance, it's able to generate profits through its insurance arm. And second, uh, the second tier and growth engine is uh, it's an investment portfolio. So uh, much in the same way that Berkshire Hathaway, which Berkshire is, uh, as we all know, Warren Buffett's business, right? This is... Um, a business that is able to take uh, its float 
and basically funds that are paid to it by um, the insurance arm. So uh, you pay your premiums to Markel and they're able to use the insurance float uh, basically as a, a, a free source of money that they can invest and compound their gains for investors. So you have to have uh, a very strong investing mind uh, kind of at the helm. And in this case, uh, the, the sort of Warren Buffett of Markel uh, is a fellow who goes by the name of Tom Gaynor. He was previously their uh, chief investment officer. Uh, he's still their CIO, but he's also the co-CEO of the company. And uh, he's full of um, yeah, fun, quotable bits of investing wisdom. If you haven't read a Markel shareholder letter, I highly recommend it. It's very entertaining. And uh, But Tom Gaynor uh, has been able to generate some exceptional returns for investors by investing the insurance float in uh, stocks. And they have a, an interesting portfolio that you can actually look by checking out Markel's 13F filings. You can see the stocks that they own in their portfolio each quarter. And uh, incidentally, Berkshire is actually one of the largest positions, but we also have companies like Google and Home Depot and Amazon and Diageo and Disney and a bunch of other big companies like that. But he is a tried and true value investor. And, uh, you know, he doesn't mind looking wrong in the near term if it means he's right over the long term. But uh, so those are the first two tiers, insurance, an insurance business. And then we have the investment portfolio, which generates returns. Uh, you can maximize your returns there. And then we have a, uh, a business called Markel Ventures. Now, the th- this is the third kind of tier uh, that they generate value for shareholders. It is a group of acquired uh, mostly non-insurance, non-investing businesses. And uh, these, you know, this is kind of like when you look at Berkshire, for example, uh, Berkshire owns companies uh, that range everywhere from, you know, Geico, which is a big insurance company, uh, to Burlington Northern Santa Fe and Dairy Queen and Brooks Running Shoes and and a bunch of different businesses. And furniture. Like yeah. Famously furniture companies. Yes, exactly. Uh, and, and so- uh, well, and, Furniture retailers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska Furniture Mart, all those, that's, that's, those are Berkshire companies, right? So on, in Markel's case, uh, all of its acquired acquired businesses that don't kind of fall into the insurance uh, or investing side, they they cover just a wide array uh, of various businesses. They they own a, a Brahmin leather handbags. Um, they, they recently acquired, uh, they own a, a dredge company, you know, digging out dredges in canals. They own a concrete casting company that they recently acquired called Metromont, I believe, uh, and uh, heavy duty cranes, panels for the insides of elevators, like bakery equipment, all kinds of uh, an ornamental plant company. Uh, they, they just build these businesses over the years and uh, what's really interesting is is a lot of them are super boring and uh and, and this really falls into the category of of boring is beautiful right and uh you know it, when they look at acquisition candidates uh Markel Ventures and Tom Gaynor is also kind of heading up the acquisitions because you know he's a former CPA he knows everything about these businesses he's a fantastic investor uh, but they look for four traits in these businesses which we could really apply to you know kind of finding our own investments as well. Uh, and when you're looking for individual stocks to search for, um, but he's looking for businesses that uh, first have profitable, uh, they're profitable with good returns on capital. Uh, he's looking for businesses with talented management teams and a culture of integrity. You need to be able to trust the people in charge. Uh, he's also looking for businesses with reinvestment opportunities and capital discipline when it comes to putting capital to work uh, and businesses that charge fair prices. And uh, you know, when you have those four things, um, in place, 
you know, profitable with good returns on capital, talented management teams, reinvestment opportunities, and they ha- charge fair prices. A-, a lot of the rest just kind of takes care of itself. And uh, you find very few businesses that kind of meet those categories and, uh, and you know, those criteria. And uh, e- each of the businesses that Markel has acquired, um, you know, they, they, they fall into those categories and they're permanent purchases. These aren't, you know, you won't find Markel often selling a business that it owns. They know that if they sell to Markel, that it's going to be a permanent home. And uh, so it's really interesting to watch the revenue and the profitability grow for Markel Ventures along with its insurance and its investment portfolios. Uh, and it's been, it's been kind of neat to just watch the various acquisitions over the past couple of decades. And in my cases, I've, I've kind of been watching and, and owning Markel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's interesting to look at this as a case study because a company can deploy its capital in several ways. It can pay dividends, mm-hmm. it can do stock buybacks, or it can make acquisitions. And often companies, that's when they fall over in the acquisition phase. But this company right. seems to get it all together in acquiring great quality businesses. Yeah, and uh, that's a, a fantastic point. Um, actually, uh, my, my colleague and I, Simon Erickson, did a, a podcast of our own uh, a while back on, on five different ways uh, – that you can, you know, the five primary ways that you can put capital to work, right? And, and dividends and buybacks are are the ones that kind of tend to get uh, the most airtime uh, for investors. And you can also use acquisitions and you can invest it, you know, reinvest in your business for organic growth. Um, but dividends uh, are something that Markel is actually uh, notoriously resistant to. I think they might have paid one special, one or two special uh, one-time dividends uh, before uh, long time ago. And, uh, but they don't pay dividends, um, largely in part because management believes they can more effectively put that money to use rather than just paying it out as a dividend to shareholders. They say, let us put, let us reinvest this capital for you in the way that we best see fit. We think we can get better returns than paying you a dividend. And, uh, so that, that's kind of a vote of reassurance, I guess, uh, by investors in the management of Markel that they're not going to be paying a dividend because they trust, oh, you know, they've watched them put their money to use really, really effectively over the past several decades. And they've watched the the growth just compound. And uh, so, yeah, dividends and buybacks is something that Markel, uh, they they do keep open, right? And that's uh, every once in a while, you'll see Markel repurchase their own shares, which is a glaring uh, admission that they think that their uh, share price is, you know, attractive. And uh, usually, you know, personally, I, I'm looking at Markel uh, and, and I think the best way uh, to view it. Uh, to value it, I guess that that's the other thing is how do you know when Markel is cheap, quote unquote cheap uh, on a valuation basis? Uh, I think the most effective way is looking at its price to book value, uh, and that's uh, the most effective way to value a lot of different financial holding companies. Actually, so you take the share price, uh, divide it by the book value per share, and uh, I think last I checked, uh, Markel's book value per share was like a thousand dollar or thousand eighty three something uh, right in there. Uh, if memory serves. What is book value? 
So uh, book value is is basically the underlying value of all the assets in the business. So uh, yeah, and you, you can so like if you had to have a if you had to have a fire sale today of everything that the business owned. Yeah, that's, that's the book that, value, that, is it? Exactly. That's a that's a decent way to look at it. And uh, you know, this is sort of one of those things where uh, great businesses should command uh, a reasonable premium. Uh, but book book value isn't always the best way. Uh, to view businesses, you know, kind of depending on uh, or to value uh, businesses like Boston Omaha is another uh, very, very small financial holding company um, that uh, that I also own. And uh, they've told their investors that, hey, right now, book value per share isn't a great way to value our business because of you know some warrants and some some kind of accounting uh, <laughs> Boston Omaha's CFO called them accounting fictions. <laughs> but, uh, he, he oh, I think it was actually their, one of their co-CEOs called them uh, uh, Alex uh, or Adam Peterson rather. He, he called them accounting fictions that sort of s- strangely sway the book value. So he said, you know what, it may not be the best way to value our business right now. Uh, so they're a little bit more of a challenge. But Markel, uh, a little bit more on the mature side as a business, uh, is it, it's it's much easier to take them and take their price to book value and say, like, is this business cheap? Usually, Markel, if I'm looking at it, trading at 1.2 to 1.3 times book value, that's a pretty attractive premium to me. Uh, and I think right now it's actually trading about 1.25 times book value. So uh, I think Markel is pretty darn cheap right now relative to its its actual value. Uh, but again, the best businesses, really high quality businesses should command a higher premium. Uh, this is definitely a, a business where kind of a long-term focus you know, kind of helps you sleep well. And I think that's something you know that uh, beginning investors can really, really... Uh, appreciate is, uh, especially in today's market, when you watch, you know, 20, 30% swings in one direction are kind of crazy. And, uh, yeah, Facebook dropping, I don't know how many percentage points over <laughs> yeah. a week. And <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely markers because yeah. And I, I these are solid businesses we're talking about here. Yes, exactly. Like I've seen businesses that, that guide for 15% year over year growth, mm. you know, uh, and, and the market was expecting 18. So the stock fell 40%, mm. you know, there, there's crazy things going on in the market, right? Right now, uh, those are not uh, the types of swings you would expect to see with Markel. This is a more stable business. Uh, and that's the other thing that this kind of three-tiered approach to generating shareholder value um, creates for you is sort of diversified, um, a, a diversified approach to creating value where if one part of the business, maybe their underwriting results suffered from some kind of short-term disasters, like maybe the Texas freeze last year uh, hurt they're, they're, Which is one of the risks of an insurance business, right? And uh, and in Markel's case, it's in, in there. They have the the luxury of being um, a, a very conservative underwriter, and they won't just you know generate premiums for the sake of of collecting premiums. They don't do that, and they will price policies that they believe will be profitable to them and fair to their customers. And uh, and then at the same time, you know, if, if their insurance business is struggling, their investment portfolio might make up some of that slack and their Markel Ventures diversified group of businesses might further kind of help diversify the growth there. So uh, it, it's a very steady investment that you don't generally see a lot of wild swings. You know, we, we saw some wild s- swings in the share price, I think last uh, in March, 2020, uh, when I don't know what was going on then, right? <laughs> no, just kidding. The uh, yeah, but you see, you see times like that where where you know the entire market um, suffers from indiscriminate selling, uh, and and sometimes you know you have you have 
really attractive opportunities to pick up shares of businesses like this mm. uh, that are unnecessarily beaten down. But uh, Markel is one of the, the few stocks in my personal portfolio uh, that I've always been able to sleep well with and be pretty well content knowing that I'm going to own these shares as long as I'm an investor. And yeah, that's that's what I love. It's becoming quite clear why this is a what you call a mini Berkshire because Warren Buffett basically bankrolled a lot of his acquisitions from insurance as well in the early yeah. days, didn't he? Yeah, and uh, you know, the, you watch the cash position that businesses like this amass. Mm. You know, I, I don't know how much cash Berkshire has on its portfolio or on its on its uh, balance sheet right now. Something one hundred and forty, one hundred and seventy billion. Uh, it's absurd, but uh, you know, uh, it's it's kind of interesting because this is the sort of approach to creating shareholder value that scales well, no matter the business. You know, you can continue to make acquisitions in a variety of industries uh, in, pro, you know, buying profitable companies and keeping their management teams in place in, in a lot of cases and allowing them just to continue to do their thing under your wing as, a, in this case, a Markel Ventures company. Uh, and Berkshire's allowed a lot of different businesses to do that. And the cash generation that comes from those businesses combined with uh, superior investment returns by reinvesting that cash or putting it to work in additional acquisitions uh, or using it to acquire bolt-on acquisitions for the insurance side. There's a lot of different, a lot of optionality for businesses like this. And, uh, you know, when you can essentially own any business that comes at an attractive premium to you, um, they can be very selective about who they buy and the way they do business. And, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, for perspective, uh, the other thing that's really interesting, uh, the reason they call this a mini Berkshire is because Berkshire Hathaway. So take Markel's market capitalization, right? This is, uh, you know, their share price times the total number of outstanding shares. Uh, Markel's market cap is about $17 billion today. And I think last I checked, Berkshire was just over $710 billion. So I think that means Markel is almost exactly 42 times smaller than Berkshire Hathaway in terms of market capitalization. So uh, long runway for growth. I mean, obviously, Berkshire owns a different set of businesses and has different investors at the helm of its investment portfolio and in uh, and, and different insurance businesses as well. But Markel is arguably just as strong just at an earlier stage in its respective long-term growth story. So and, and uh, what about I love the, Markel um, for that. What about the relative ages of the CEOs as well? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tom Gaynor. There is a bit more of a runway there, yeah, isn't exactly. there? Exactly. I, I think uh, Gaynor might be in his, in his early to mid-50s. Uh, uh, last I checked. So, uh, yeah, I think we have a, a few decades yet and, uh, he, he's very, very similar mind. Uh, again, if, if you haven't had a chance, um, one of the things that I think you know, wins a lot of investors over is, is heading over to their investor relations page and, uh, and opening up their latest annual report and just reading the letter to shareholders. And you'll, you'll get a good sense of how, uh, how they think, and how they function and, uh, and, and the way they think about doing business. And, and, uh, it, it's very admirable and it, it's impossible to, um, read a letter like that and not realize that you're dealing with uh, a very sharp group of, uh, executives at the helm. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those businesses that always just kind of makes me smile. And I don't mind having that in the boring, but beautiful part of my portfolio, as much as I love, you know, high growth tech stocks, uh, that's a big chunk of my portfolio as well. Um, but I do reserve uh, a pretty hefty slice uh, for owning 
shares of businesses like Markel, just to maintain a semblance of sanity when everything seems insane. And it's great for beginners to have some sort of exposure and awareness of these kind of companies because so many younger, newer investors come in and all they're thinking about are the high-flying tech stocks and that's all they've seen. When in fact, there's a whole history of businesses actually operating as businesses, being boring and generating cash right. <laughs> and a profit. <laughs> I know, it's a really crazy idea. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, and that's, that's part of the, the joy of this is, is you get a business that is, is relatively conservative. Um, but also has a history of generating outsized returns for shareholders and beating the market. And, uh, you know, that's, that's part of the, 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 what I love about owning, uh, shares of businesses like this is, is, you know, it's better than investing in an index fund, uh, by a long shot. And, uh, you know, for a lot of investors, that might be the best way to go is buying, you know, a cheap ETF that, that mirrors the S&P 500 because, you know, historically for the past 120 years or 110 years, you know, you've, you've gotten roughly 10% annual returns from, from doing that. Um, but you can do better, uh, with a business like Markel, uh, if you choose your entry points, um, wisely and, uh, and look at that price to book value and see when shares look particularly cheap. So this is going to be released on Saturday. So this question could leave you with egg on your face by Monday. <laughs> Rams or Bengals? Rams, oh, Rams or, or Bengals? Bengals. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, uh, I was thinking, I was like, how does the Markel question? Um, Rams or Bengals? I'm going to go, we're going to go with uh, Rams. Okay. With, yeah. with no real justification. Let, let's go with the Rams. Okay. <laughs> off to your bookie now for that tip. <laughs> <laughs> Now, also remembering as well that um, if anyone would like to sign up for a special discount, a $10 discount, they, if they use the promo code STOCKS for beginners, um, it's available waiting there to join this great group of investing minds like Steve. Thank you very much for that. And thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. Stocks for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Stocks for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.